comedian Grace Mulvey. And pop culture obsessive Neve King. Ask the question, what makes a great adaptation? We take a beloved book that has been made into a movie or TV show and do a deep dive into what the production got right or very wrong. From banger soundtracks to dodgy casting, we get into what it takes to make the jump from page to screen. Welcome to The Jump. This very first episode of The Jump, we are delving into Gone Girl and asking the question, what makes a girl truly gone? (laughs) What is it, Neve? I am so excited to talk about Gone Girl. We have been... On the edge of our seats all day. We've been together all day, <laughs> determinately not talking about Gone Girl. Couldn't even look each other in the eye. To <laughs> I, weirdly, you said to me earlier, you're like, are you angry at me? And I was like, no, I just can't talk to you about this bloody thing. And I don't want to say anything. It's all I've been wanting to yeah. talk about. Um, so we have started by reading the book, right? That's yep. how you started as well. We've read the book. We sat with that. Yeah. We watched the film. And we now sat with that. We, <laughs> we fucking sat with that. I sat too Marlon with that film. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I read the, this. I just want to say this straight away because yeah. this, is, and I know that, like, you know, we're we're going to like definitely use words like themes and arcs and blah blah. But I'm, first of all, I'm just like, <laughs> this book is fucked up. <laughs> like, I'm like, this whole story is. I forgot how messed up the story is. It's I for, messed up. It's really it's messed, messed up. up. And I kind of, when I was rereading the book, I just was like. Yeah, we'll go into it because you're going to start with the book and I'll I'll then kind of introduce the film. But like, I think I just really forgot like how dark this gets. Because I I don't know what your history with Gone Girl Mm -hmm. is. I remember when the book came out, I kind of read half of it. I decided I hate both of these characters so much. I couldn't finish it. They were so irritating to me. Yeah. And then obviously a few years later, the movie came out. That was huge. Saw that straight away. The book is much darker. The book is much the darker. The book is much darker, which yeah. I was not expecting, but it was. Like, there was a few bits that I was like, oh. <laughs> well. I became a bit of a prude, really. <laughs> oh, I was God. like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. Yeah. So, Gone Girl, published 2020, 2012. Yep. Gillian Flynn is the author. This book was huge. Like, do you remember when this came out? Because I feel like every now and then a book comes out that everyone has read everyone that's talking about like a recent example for me is like Daisy Jones yeah you know it's just it was like top of every bestseller list etc um this book was everywhere 2012 and I think that the reason probably not to like you know dim anything down is probably that big twist yes in the middle the girl is not gone (laughs) (laughs) how can we get this girl gone (laughs) can you believe Really, weirdly like the title really gaslights you <laughs> it's a really gaslighting oh book. my god like she, she won't fucking leave she's this gaslighting <laughs> she's gatekeeping <laughs> and she's girl bossing god girl bossing as well that it really just linked to that sort of time when 100%, like yeah, yeah, yeah 100% yeah. so this book Gillian Flynn before she uh, this is her third novel no novel since interestingly in the no novel since one short story before this she had written she's the gone girl Where is Gillian? Where is Gillian Flynn? This is like your man, David McSavage's wife from the Scientology, where it's like, no one's seen her since the premiere of the film. And we're all very worried. Where is Gillian? Um, Yeah, no book sense, really interesting. But before that, she had written Sharp Objects. Yes. Which is is a great, yeah. We'll we'll do that another episode. Great great TV show. Dark Places. (gasps) 
is fine. Yeah. And then Gone Girl, which obviously exploded. Yeah. Before that, which is re- I think is really interesting before we really get into the book, Gillian Flynn was a writer for Entertainment Weekly. That is her background. Her background is entertainment. <laughs> I want a better word. Yeah, but yeah. Because when I was reading this book, I, I know this is one thing we kind of mentioned to each other before this. I don't know if it's because I'd seen the film first or I'd seen it so many times. I really was picturing the film so much yeah. when I was reading yeah. it. But I do think it's a very cinematically written book. And I think yeah. all of her books are. She everything she's written has been adapted yeah you know obviously for a reason I think that's just the way she writes yeah so um, yeah I just thought that you know I'm really interested in her in the way that she writes and uh, it's almost like it's primed she always gets involved in the screenwriting which I know you're going to get into yeah yeah. So, so that's kind of the background of the book Shows up 2012. Sorry, just a side note. Reese Witherspoon, like, pretty much the moment this woman, like, writes a word down the page, is like, I'm, I'm my production company will adopt it. She must be raging. I, she hasn't written another book since. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon is like, <laughs> can I not get this woman? And my production company depends on you. And whatever woman writes Big Little Lies. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's like we, waiting on two white women just to get their uh, shit together. <laughs> we need to talk about Reese gets an episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. All Reese does is just trawl water stones. <laughs> He's just in the aisles. If you go to any water stones, you'll see Reese Witherspoon. Now listen, she's going through a divorce, she's having a hard time, but like, I don't know, she's probably drinking a bottle of white wine, just trying to yeah. find anything about unhappy women. Yeah. <laughs> and these white women get any unhappier. Um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Gone Girl comes out in 2012. It's huge. It's really just like explodes. Everyone's reading it, talking about it. The premise of Gone Girl, for those who don't know, uh, Nick Dunn, uh, a yep. writer, recently been fired, moved back to his hometown in Missouri, has gone home one day to find his girl is gone. gone. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a struggle in his home. Yep. A table is flipped over and his wife is gone. He calls the police. The police get into it. Uh, things are looking suspicious. Nick yep. is looking suspicious. Yep. Halfway through the book, we get this huge twist. Amy, Nick's wife, is framing him. She is not dead or kidnapped. She is alive and she is hoping to frame him for her murder. Yeah. It. And listen, if you got to this point, we're like, well, I didn't know they were going to give away the plot. Like, more fill you. <laughs> it's 11 years old. <laughs> it's 11 years old. You get 10 years to, to watch or read something. And then, spoiler alert, it's gone. Okay? Um, no, that does. that's kind of where the book comes in. But, like, weirdly, there's so many twists and turns in it. And you have this treasure hunt. You have clues. Really, I think, and we'll talk about it in the book now, It's it's more like, you're very unsure about who these characters are at all times because of the narration. No one is trustworthy. No so one. You know, we were reading this and I was out getting breakfast somewhere and I saw a woman walked past with a tote bag that just said, Un- unreliable narrator. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I was like, this is it. Thank you. This is the Gone Girl tagline. Reese um, Witherspoon trailing her mind. <laughs> being like, are you thinking of writing a book? <laughs> I could adapt. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, yeah, I think that is like the ultimate premise of Gonker, right? Yeah. None of these characters are reliable. You don't, you have no clue going in who can be believed. Yeah. You know, Nick immediately seems completely unbothered that his wife is missing. He does not seem to care, is not worried, participating with the police, no lawyer. We find out a little while in he's having an affair with a much younger student. Like, you're just like, this guy is guilty as hell. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I do remember reading it the first time and like a little feminist rage. Every page I hated this man oh so much. And and it does like, you know, 
twist very quickly. But I think what's really great <laughs> is like anytime there's a person who cheats, particularly with a younger woman, it, it, you immediately you just hate them. Do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he just, as well, I will say, at the beginning, he just stupid shit. Yeah. That like he lies to the police. It just, and even like white lies. He'll be like, I yeah. booked this restaurant. He didn't book a restaurant. Yeah. You know what's very easy for them to do? Ring up the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, don't lie. Just be like, I didn't do anything. They'll find you out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he kind of just those sort of things what makes you immediately upset with him, annoyed with them. Yeah. And I think that was actually the brilliant thing of Gillian Flynn. She makes you hate him straight oh, away. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And you know, there is a quote from him, I think, that I have it here. Um, I should add in Amy's defense that she'd asked me twice if I wanted to talk. I sometimes leave out details like that. It's more convenient for me. In truth, I wanted her to read my mind. Yeah. You know, if there was ever a sentence more private for a woman <laughs> to be like, fuck this guy. Oh, my God. Just answer that question. You know, Neve just... sitting beside her boyfriend just giving him the side eye. <laughs> I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, to go through the story, like uh, obviously it begins with Amy's disappearance, but throughout the book, it's not like you have the linear thing of like Nick going through every day. There's like day one, Amy gone, day two. That's how the book follows. So it, every day he discovers something new about the whole thing. But really, it's I suppose we have to start with the treasure hunt because it's their anniversary. Yes, this yeah. is great. So the kind of narrative or framing device that Gillian uses to unpack this story in, in part one is, as you said, every chapter is at each day yeah. that Amy is missing. She goes missing on July 5th, yep. uh, which has just passed. We oh, forgot yeah. to celebrate Gone Girl Day. <laughs> and uh, you sent me the meme and I was like, damn it, we should have released today. <laughs> Uh, she goes missing on July 5th and we track like day by day what Nick is doing, yeah. how he's responding to the fact that his wife is missing, mm-hmm. how the police are responding to him, how the nation eventually responds to him yeah. as this trial or not trial. But this case obviously kind of blows up in the media because it's a beautiful white woman. But it's kind missing. of almost like the public trial. Weirdly, we never yes. get a trial, yeah. which is so interesting because you never get to that stage. But you do get the public trial, yeah. which is what it's really all about. Now, yeah. This isn't you know a podcast about social commentary. <laughs> Who would say? It's a podcast to rinse recently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why she's been brought up five times now. We never even mentioned her before when we were prepping. Uh, the public trial may be the more, more important, Grace. Yes, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so corresponding to this, to Nick's days and like what he's doing day by day in the in the aftermath of Amy's disappearance, we have Amy's di- diary entries. Yeah. So these are great because um, once again, in these, she is insufferable. Like this is an insufferable woman in this uh, these diary entries. Yeah. Uh, and throughout that, we kind of, through the diary entries, we get to kind of see the origin <laughs> of Nick and Amy's yep. relationship. Uh, we get to see their you know, early days, their marriage, how the marriage starts to break mm-hmm. down. And then crucially, how Nick turns into a bit of a abusive yeah. monster yeah. right in their home and document how terrified Amy is yeah. to be to be in the home with him. Yeah. Uh, it culminates with a chilling and uh, accurate line of this man, this husband of mine might kill me. Now that's a... That's the last line. That's the last that's entry, the last, by the way. Entry. Yeah, the last entry. Very convenient as Nick yeah. does. <laughs> <laughs> Which also 
if I was a detective, I'd be like, is it convenient? But then also he's just pointed out it's convenient. Maybe he's trying to trick me into it's not convenient. And, you know, here you go. Yeah, it's just mind game. (laughs) It's a cat and mouse. What the best thing that they do is not only is that happening. So you have Nick's timeline, you have Amy's timeline. Amy's timeline's in the past Mm -hmm. because through the diary entries. Then you have Nick's timeline of every day what's happening. But then at the same time, he's also doing this treasure hunt for their anniversary. So one thing that is on top of her being... (laughs) literally the most insufferable person in this like it, the, the way she writes in the diary is a person who thinks someone's going to read that diary 100% so you're yeah. presenting it like a, like a fairy tale like yeah. that's the whole thing it's not a real diary yeah. you know what I mean she but starts like, off with I'm so orphan adopted happy or something and you're like what? <laughs> That's not a phrase anyone's ever used. I'm like a child. (laughs) Imagine the detective reading is like, I'm I'm glad she's gone. (laughs) I don't want to meet this woman. I'm not going (laughs) to... I'm not going to do my 100% on this, lads. Uh, you can find her. You can find her if you want. With every entry, I'm, I'm getting less and less invested. But we love women. <laughs> we actually do. Like, I am one. So, we have Nick. Yeah. He's unconcerned about finding his wife. Yep. He is concerned about figuring out this treasure hunt because it makes him feel like a fucking idiot. So. And, and he's also, he straight away knows how he looks to the public. Yeah. One thing I, I liked kind of straight away was, it, and I do note in the book, how little he actually worries for Amy and how how much he worries yes. how he appears it, guilty or not guilty. 100%. Straight away, that man never once is like, oh my God, where is she? Like he yeah. never once is like, oh my, like, but she's actually missing. Yeah. He doesn't care. Another like real thorough line through that first half of the book is this guy hates women. Oh, oh my God. God, yeah. there I have highlighted. There are so many sections yeah. in this book where he just r- r- lists the women yeah. in his life yeah. that are causing him stress, yeah. and how much he wants to be violent towards yeah. them. Um, except, well, except for his sister. Okay, so I want to talk into Margot. Yeah, she is interesting. So uh, Margot is Nick's twin sister. Yes. Uh, goes by Go as the nickname. One of the first. Um, in the morning of Amy's disappearance, Nick goes to the bar they own, which is called The Bar, which actually I think is a great name. Yeah. I love the name. Yeah. And Nick comes in and that's the first like time we meet Margot um, Go, And in like the second page, Margot goes, women are crazy. I know. I noticed that yeah. straight away. And I was like, there's something about her that is very like a... Uh, what, well, I hate using this term pick me but very I like you're <laughs> pick me yeah, and I but, was thinking yeah like, there's something about her which is like I'm the exception a yes. little bit when it comes to Nick even talking about Amy or talking yeah. about this thing where she's like oh women are crazy but I'm totally not that person yeah when actually, she hates Amy as well she right? hates Amy she which, hates which Amy. is legitimate because Amy is crazy like yeah. let's be honest yeah. it turns out she's very crazy but there's something about even like her never kind of calling Nick out on like his part of that marriage falling apart that yeah. really annoys me because I'm like she just watches him like he gets a glass of bourbon at like it's like 10am <laughs> like, he drove here yeah. I'm like it's like his anniversary it's his they're anniversary. playing a board game and also Amy <laughs> we're got a little tangent Amy gave him the money from the, for the bar yeah. so there's something about that where they're sitting there judging there's yes. something about it where I'm like, They're sitting there you are happy to take her money. Yeah. And now you're like, oh, Amy. And you're like drinking the bourbon. <laughs> bourbon as well. God, for fuck off. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, go on. I know I'm going to go off on the uh, tangent. So Grace. 
feel strongly about Go. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I actually end up really liking her over yeah, the book. But yeah, yeah, It was I agree. interesting that there was a bit of internalized misogyny here where she just means oh, women are crazy. Yeah, there was just something about it where I was like, oh, there's something going on with you. But it I is think. interesting. Yeah. yeah, like you said, that visual of them sitting in the bar that Amy has bought for them with the yeah. last of her trust fund. We'll talk about that. Hard to feel yeah. sorry for someone with the trust yeah, fund. Yeah, um, and blonde hair because <laughs> they've all had to retreat from New York because they were in the book. We find out that Margot was kind of like in like investments and. Um, Nick and Amy also have lost their jobs. That's why they're back in Missouri. That's kind of like the, I think the the kickoff of the end of their marriage. Well, it was the big right? recession. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the big recession. They've lost their, they've lost their jobs. Yeah. Where he is a writer for a men's magazine. Yeah. And she writes personality <laughs> quizzes for a women's <laughs> magazine. Okay, so this is something I wanted to point out. Yeah. Why do you think Julian Flynn picked two such ridiculous job they're interesting because there's so but the way that i saw that was that he <laughs> this sounds like really reductive he is a man and she is a woman they are yes. writing for these institutions that literally tell men and women this is the correct way to be a man and this is the correct way to be a woman do you know what Neve? you're actually so smart because like <laughs> <laughs> no but like i was just like that's two know- stupid jobs <laughs> Why should you give them two stupid jobs? Because I think that, yeah, yeah. it's supposed to, like, and, and the whole, you know, the whole book, I think, or the whole story does come back to, and, like, it, that's what a lot of the criticism about the book and the movie is, and it comes back to these two people and the institution of marriage that they represent yes. in that heteronormative uh, sense, yeah. you know, and uh, I really think that he is supposed to represent all that is wrong with husbands and her all that is wrong with wives, heightened to this, like, impossible degree, yeah. right? Like, she is supposed to be naggy and manipulative, well, not straight away, yeah. as we know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's how he, yeah. the sense he gets from her. And he is lazy and unconcerned and, yeah. you know, not considerate and, and, and uses And her, it's funny so. because the first few entries of the diary, which are probably the most, like, fairy tale like yeah. they are fighting it so hard. They're just yes. really like, we'll never be like that. The big declarations yeah. of, like, I'll never nag. And he's like, and I'll never make you out to be, like, a bitch at home that I don't want to go home to and all this sort of stuff. So they make these huge declarations yeah. and then... Even when it kind of starts when he loses his job, which is a real like those even parts of the book are kind of uncomfortable because you can see how those things happen. Like, yeah. you know, like it's such a depressing thing. Like that when that I remember that uh, recession because I'm a bit older than Niamh. Um, I remember that recession very well. Yeah, I don't remember it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it was the 1920s, folks. <laughs> Like all Manhattan, no, but like I, re- there was like a real, it was a real depression. I feel like yeah, at a nation spent. or like mm-hmm. around the world because it happened everywhere. Yeah. But he, it's that thing of like they start to become what they hate or make each other. So she comes home and she's like, he's on the couch and she's like, oh, you bought something else, and he's mm. like, oh, I didn't know you were going to become a nag, and she's like, why are you trying to make me this? Yeah. But it's like they're they're starting to do it, and it's it's just like they're pointing it out straight away. You yeah. think you'd never do that, and it is like a it's a real it's a childish thing, but it is also that like kind of archaic now view of what it is to be a married couple. Or yeah. the whole time it's like, don't make me a nag. I'm like, you're allowed if you live with someone. Like if you lived with a roommate, you'd be allowed to be like. Can you, you take up your Chinese and stuff? Like, yeah, like, can you come to office and he's bought like a fucking iPad? And he's like, she's like, hey, like, do you, why do you need this? And yeah. He's like, You're being a nag. And I'm like, it's okay. I, I don't like and that it's either. Her like, money. it's okay. It's, yeah. Well, it's you see this money. thing. You can't say it's her money because technically is their money yeah. when you get married. And it's kind of, but he, then he's like, oh, we got a prenup. The prenup thing I find very interesting. Yeah. 
I just think it is because she has money and he doesn't. There's mm-hmm. this weird chip. And I don't know if like men and women are even past it yet. I don't yeah. know. Like, but it's, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, of course. Like the gender thing. And also there's a, there's a class thing that I find really interesting mm-hmm. throughout the book and the film. Though the film doesn't really touch on it as much. But the book, for sure, he's working class, she's not. Yeah, and they go back to this town that is crumbling. I feel like yeah. that was a lot clearer yeah. in the book for me, was that this town is, this whole town is out of work. Yeah. You know, you have this kind of specter of the mall yeah. that is closed down, everyone lost their jobs, it's full of a gang, the Blue Book gang from yeah. another factory yeah. that's closed down. You know, it's just this idea of you're bringing, they're both moving back to this place that is yeah. symbolising for them everything that they've lost. You're right, it's just like, we're all like yeah we're all being sucked back here because we have no jobs the trust fund is gone she's given it to her parents to bail them out of their own hole yeah uh she's had a little bit of trust fund money left that went towards the bar where he go now and he goes now to drink with go and complain about amy so i feel like coming to the close then of the first half of that Mm. book we are primed that we nick is if not guilty, he's guilty of something. Yeah, yeah. he's doing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. He's yeah, not yeah. a good person. Yeah. Uh, and then we get that great opener yeah. of the second half, which is the realization that Amy is neither dead nor kidnapped. She is alive. Yeah. Although, as she says, she's so much happier now that she's dead. Oh, it's such a great so line. Great. It's so beautiful. Uh, so jarring. Yeah. You know, if you're reading it for the first time, this realization that this, that she, is, and it, I feel like it takes the mind a minute to catch up. You're like, wait a, wait a minute, yeah. like this. You know yeah. that she is the mastermind of this. Yeah. Or that she, you know, so um, it's so great. So I, I think remember that, reading the book and and I didn't know. Yeah, so that was a nice thing because I do remember reading the book and be like, <gasps> and this has never happened before. I was yeah. like, oh my god, she's awful. <laughs> I think when I read it in 2012, poor little old Grace, <laughs> my pigtails coming out of a recession, was just like, was just like, oh my god, like women can be assholes too. This is so free. Yeah, I was well, like, this I'm being is my. Asshole. I was gonna like, this is my big takeaway from kind of revisiting Gone Girl this time, and I. I'm sure, I can't remember what year the movie came out. I'm sure that you'll... 2014. 2014. Mm-hmm. I feel like Gone Girl, the book, and Gone Girl, the movie, has kicked off yes. what I now refer yeah. to as the... Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Good for like, her. Good for her, film. Burning down Rome. Good for yeah, her. Like, yeah, like Midsummer, yeah. And you know that kind of string of movies where yeah. women are turning out to be these horrible villains? And the yeah. universal response is just... Good. <laughs> And you know I do too. <laughs> yeah, but this yeah. is what I mean. And it's so perfectly captured in this book because like, by the end of it, even if you think Nick is innocent, you still hate him. Yeah. You know, he is symbolic of that whole thing. Yeah. She's pushing her to this very edge. Um, the more we learn about Amy. Yeah. Maybe not so much. Um, but, yeah. you know, so that's where we kind of open uh, with the second half is this feeling of release almost of like, yeah, good yeah, for her. really threw out that cool girl monologue, which is what we're coming up to. Yes. You are almost applauding. Oh. You're almost getting up on your feet, and you're like, "Yeah, you show him." Like, obviously, monologue. afterwards, you come back around. You're like, "No, yeah." <laughs> but yeah, the cool girl monologue has now kind yeah. of developed almost like a, you know, a life of its own. It's yeah. a bit like it's referred to quite a lot when people yeah. are talking about, you know, doing any kind of pop culture lookbacks, yeah. or uh, it's used as a reference point quite a lot because it's so true, and it's something yeah. that you know you kind of referenced earlier the whole TikTok pick me yeah, thing which yeah. has surfaced recently and that's what that is like that's yeah. just like a new term for that cool girl and I, I do you remember I was saying to you that like you know like teenage boys used to have like the train spotting 
get a mortgage, get a car, get a washing machine. I feel like teenage <laughs> girls now should have like the poster framed. The cool the girl, girl poster. Yeah, I do. But I do think it's that sort of thing. 100%. It's like, yeah, like yeah. It's so iconic now, yeah. the cool girl monologue. And that's what opens up that second half. And yeah, it's just iconic. Like it's just, yeah. that's what I mean. I think that Gone Girl, when it came out, got a lot of accusations about, oh, it's misogynistic that a woman yeah. would be this evil. And uh, women's responses were like, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think I'd do it too. No. I loved it. No, so. it, yeah, I think you're, it, it's, she actually, the moment she's in the real world, she fucks so quickly. Yeah. Like if anything, I'm like, how are you being this stupid? But it's so realistic. Yeah. To how a rich woman would be this stupid. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And so she meets basically these two characters. Yeah, who discover that she has a lot more money than she's letting on. Yeah. She she pretends to be essentially a, a, a wife who's been the victim of domestic abuse and that she's kind of on the run. She meets these two characters who are in kind of similar, maybe slightly shady situations and they rob her. They take yeah. all of her money. She saved about 10 grand in cash, um, which forces her then to kind of our third act, which really makes my skin crawl. It's the introduction <sighs> of the character Desi Collings. And what a perfectly named character. Oh, I mean, perfect. Desi Col- Collings. Collings. The guy sounds like he goes to eat and sits on a boat and he's a prick. He wears... <laughs> None of those things are mutually exclusive. <laughs> but it perfectly describes that oh, man. He's always yeah. in a white suit. Can't oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah, just. yeah, yeah. So yeah. she gets she she gets in touch with a former boyfriend who was obsessed with her, according to Amy, when they were in high school. Um, like kind of, she wants to manipulate him for help, you know. So he he she contacts him. So he brings her. He's like, she's like, hey, can I have some money? I'm in a bad spot. I don't know if yeah. you see it on the news, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a little bit yeah, of cashish yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would help and you she's totally like what's up with you she's straight away like money, I don't money. <laughs> yeah, I have you ever heard of money and yeah. he's like uh, alternative plan yeah. come back to my like glass fortress my link yeah. house and now listen like I said Desi he makes my skin crawl but that guy that link <laughs> 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 I, the lake house I was actually like do you know when you are like I don't know maybe I'd maybe I'd put up with it Listen, romanticize your life. <laughs> you know, that light little candle. Yeah. It was described. But he clearly had been doing things that Lake has that he'd been planning on for years, getting her back there. Like he had designed a room that she would have really loved when they were in high school. Yeah. It was like blush pink. He made a greenhouse. I don't know anything about flowers, but that he could <laughs> yeah. grow like tulips year yeah. round. Tulips were so- her favourite flower back then and she even in it yes. remarks like, well, they're not now because I'm not 16. Yeah. You know what but I mean? Also, she says, what did she say is her favourite now? She's like, my favourite now is peonies or something. And you're like, okay, Amy, sorry, you got it wrong. <laughs> Even in her situation, she's just like, oh, orchids. She's like, my favorite is orchids. <laughs> <I'm> like, Sorry. <laughs> so to get herself out of this tough spot, yeah. she's like, there's one solution for this. <laughs> Back to the old Amy playbook. <laughs> I think, do you know what I love about this as well is immediately Desi starts making comments on her appearance. So like yeah. throughout this, the moment is a moment, Amy. And, yeah. <laughs> Fair pleasure, this is exactly what I do. The moment she fakes her death, she's like, I'm chowing down. I'm having a good old chow down time. This woman has been remaining a size two, obviously with great, like, 
couldn't restrain. Like, yeah, restrain. Like she's obviously had to really try <laughs> as she got older to remain this size, which is brought up in the cool girl monologue. But she is like, "Fuck this! I'm no longer tweezing, waxing her. Like yeah. I'm, and I'm having for some reason in the film it's Kit Kats for days. But anyway, I don't know if they had some sort of sponsorship. <laughs> but <laughs> Kit Kats were like, we need to get in on this. <laughs> we want to be associated with murderous women. <laughs> <laughs> but have a break have a kick cut now I just got it. she's like oh I'll have a break <laughs> I'll have a big old break a mental break <laughs> um, but it's just immediately how he's yeah. like you know what would make you feel better not <laughs> eating fucking right and he's like you should dye your hair back or like yeah. tweeze because obviously she's changed her appearance quite a bit it's the control thing straight away yeah and she even notes it in the book where she's like oh I forgot about this I forgot yeah. he was like this so sorry Desi we're going Desi, back to Desi Listen, he's just an absolute monster. She responds in kind by slitting his throat. <laughs> but the, the, it's so... The yeah. way she does it... I will say her commitment. <laughs> I will it's say the this. Dedication. It's dedication. I mean, if she put her Paris anywhere else, we'd be like, this woman is unstoppable. This is a, this is a girl with a plan. This but is a lady the, with a plan. And, but the reason she's going back as mm-hmm. well is because of Nick's interview. Yeah. So that's the thing. Nick then hires this lawyer. Tanner haven't even Bolt. talked about Tanner Bolt. <laughs> Tanner Bolt gets him to do this interview with a very kind of well-known reporter. So the reporter, uh, well, I'll ask you this question actually when we talk about the film, but like um, he does a really good job. And what he does is he basically speaks that a- he knows Amy will be watching yeah. so he can get Amy to come back because he knows that's the only way he he's not going to go to prison. engaging in this game with yeah. Amy. Yeah. And there is like, I do think in the book you see a little bit of her, yeah, her, that she is psychotic in the book because it's an instant forgiveness oh, from instant. her. She's, uh, yeah. she's like, maybe I do love Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he will try. Yeah. He wants me back. And you're like, oh my He's God. wearing that tie I bought him. <laughs> and like, it's so, it is interesting that after all this time of being like, Nick is a bumbling idiot. Be like, he does know her very, very well. Yes. Because he knows that wearing the tie. And once again, it's such a, it's so funny because it's such a marriage thing. Yeah. It's like, you never wear that tie. <laughs> like, it's such a, like yeah. an old school argument. But also, and he's engaging in it to to woo her back. Yeah. To send her to jail. Like he has no yeah. interest, obviously. But she's like, we're in love again. It's like the old days. <laughs> but it's like the bumbling idiot thing. It's so funny. He's a bumbling idiot until he has to perform for her and then he's great. Exactly. Because again, he's always great if it's for her. And that's where we gone, go, that's the book. I'm going to... Right. Right for adaptation. <laughs> right for adaptation. And when I say it was straight away adapt, ad, adapted. Okay? <laughs> it was straight away. a moment to lose. I think that they were, well, you can tell me, but they were, they were like bidding before it. Oh, it was one of those things where like, Ginny Flynn like had the, the ink wasn't dry on the manuscript when Reese Witherspoon <laughs> showed up at her door. Is it really Reese Witherspoon? It was Reese Witherspoon. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> I'm not going after Reese. We're just cracking some cans here. Sorry. Once we start going into the film, we're like, oh, we can have a can now. Um, yeah, okay. I actually did not realize that this is Reese Witherspoon's production company. Is this one of her first? I don't know if it's a production company. Well, I know she was a producer mm. on it, but I don't know if it was her production company. But here's a bit about the film right before we go into it. Obviously, like it's the same kind of story than the yeah. books. So we don't have to go into as much detail, but some key changes. So Gone Girl was a 2014 film directed by David Fincher and written by obviously Gillian Flynn but very interesting that she was the screenwriter which doesn't normally happen in Hollywood. Yeah. Normally the screenwriter might do a first draft and the, or the novelist might do a first draft and then they get a screenwriter in. Mm-hmm. But um, it stars Ben Affleck 
Rosman Pike, <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris, T- Tyler Perry, and Carrie Coon. I mean, actually, quite a diverse cast. Like that cast That's is like so. Like it's like they picked from every part yeah. of different Hollywood or something. It was released by twentieth century. 20th Century Fox and it was a critical and commercial success grossing 369 million worldwide against a 61 million dollar budget and it became actually David Fincher's highest grossing film um, and is considered like a postmodern mystery so one of the film's executive producers Leslie Dixon read the manuscript of the novel in 2011 so before it was actually published and brought it to the attention of Reese Witherspoon <laughs> who was originally slated to play Amy you are joking oh yeah 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 I did not know that. oh yeah she was gonna oh, play her oh yeah. my god but Witherspoon and Dixon then collaborated um, further to develop the manuscript I think the Bruna Papandaria I think is another writer anyway sorry they just collaborated with a few people and with Flynn's agent, and then they started kind of early 2012, once the book was published, started going around to studios. So like yeah. straight away, it was yeah. very, very quick. Um, so following the release of the novel in June 2012, 20th Century Fox optioned the book deal with Flynn. Um, and the author negotiated that she would be responsible for the first draft of the screenplay. So that's what okay. she negotiated. Um, by, the, by around October 2012, Flynn was in, engaged in, in the production of the first draft while she was also involved in the promotional tour of the novel. So talk about a quick turnaround. No wonder she hasn't worked in time. <laughs> <laughs> Why did she take loads of time off? <laughs> I, I don't like... I, what, she's like writing the script to tell you who's gone next. And that's me. I've been fucking overworked here. I don't know why she becomes an Irish man. <laughs> That's your one impression. Yeah. Like, you know. I'm not gonna lie, you'll as the podcast goes on, you'll understand. It's the only, it's the only accent I can do. The don't ask her to my do one. like a Canadian woodworker. She can't do it. Woodworker? Did you say? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> as I was saying, so typically authors are removed from film adaptions following the first draft and kind yeah. of an experienced screenwriter is brought in. But on this occasion, when David Fincher signed up, um, he agreed to work with Flynn for the entire project. Uh, Flynn later explained that Fincher responded to the first draft and we have kind of similar sensibilities. We liked the same things about the book and we wanted the same thing out of the, out of the movie. So um, as further preparation, Flynn actually, because she had no screenwriting like yeah. do you know, like it's yeah. it, it really is amazing, and for women in particular, this doesn't happen. And um, she studied like screenplay books, but also met with Steve Cloves, who wrote the scripts for the Harry Potter series. And um, <laughs> that's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of like screenwriting success, <laughs> Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> He's like, there's only one man I'll talk to, <laughs> and that's whoever wrote the Harry Potter films. <laughs> Who cast that little ginger boy? I'm surprised Nick in the film says, she who will not be named. Um, um, she also said, and I thought this is interesting, that she considers there to be three players in the book, three main players, mm. Nick and Amy. And can you think who the third player is that she considers to be? Probably put you on the spot here by saying it. It's not like a person, really. Is it the city of New York? <laughs> It's fashion. (laughs) (laughs) It's my Manolo Blahniks. Um, It's the media. 
so she considers the media yeah. to be the real third player. Yeah. Because, and actually, it's so true because when you watch the film and you read the book, you'll know that the media really... Yeah. Amy manipulates the media. And, and if anything, she gets annoyed if the media aren't catching up to her yeah. plan. She has to start she's so stepping in. Yeah, like, she's she's like, like, well, you haven't discovered this. <laughs> you fucking need to look in the woodshed. <laughs> <laughs> I said wood in the goddamn, like, in whatever the uh, clue. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so it's just, it was interesting with that. A few things before we go into the facts of the films. The costume I found very interesting, right? Um, the costume designer for Gone Girl is Trish Summerfield, and she wanted to say that Nick and Amy's clothing, she wanted it to be contemporary due to the film's present day setting. Contemporary casual. <laughs> yes, yet understated. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> She is always in something flowy. Yeah, I'm sorry. She's always in a cashmere wrap. Yes, yeah. <laughs> she's, yeah. she's so small. Oh, she's, she's so probably crazy. shivering in the real heat of the Missouri. Um, she goes to fucking Blue Navy, let's be honest. Oh. Like, you're going to Banana Republic and Blue Navy and Gap. Um, she, but she said that uh, um, she wanted the, to have like an everyday kind of look uh, that they might have bought online or at the mall. But she said the biggest challenges was um, as a result of Amy's self-proclaimed cool girl status. Her costumes directly reflect the traditionally chic yet girl next door attitude. So they kind of had to be like timeless and trendy because Somerville explains that like Amy's not that kind of girl who just like, you know, goes with anything. It has yeah, to be because a like, piece. She kind of always looks like she would be on a yacht. <laughs> And if I was in, the, if I was the director, I, mean, I feel like I'm the director who has like the earphones around her neck, coming in with a coffee, doesn't have time to talk to the yeah. costumes. I'm like, she should look like she's on a yacht at all times. Okay, she should have the ability to yacht at any time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't check the surrounding yachts when she was gone. <laughs> I don't know what your name is, costume designer. I'm just gonna go. The reviews of the film largely fantastic people loved the film. Um, Rosamund Pike's performance. Yeah, I mean, she was the person. She, to, yeah. yeah, and that's what one thing I'll say about one thing I'll say about this podcast I'm doing about the film Conger. <laughs> um, it's so perfectly cast this film. Yeah. It is so, and I yeah. think that she is amazing. She has a, a real blankness to her, and I mean this in a very complimentary yeah. way. And um, before this, I really know, knew her from the most recent Pride and Prejudice. <sighs> Um, yeah. where she played Jane, a real yeah. nothing, a real nothing <laughs> character. And I love Pride and Pride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's, she's just so t- smiling away. And she's using that same thing here for the complete opposite, yeah. where she's just this real blank, this real unreadable thing yeah. to her. But the casting of Ben Affleck, someone had to take a day off after that because that was just so perfect. Like he is playing the role of Ben Affleck. So can I just say, and Lucas, who is doing a bit of our tech here today, Lucas mentioned this before, Ben Affleck was chosen by David Fincher <laughs> purely because there is a bit in the film, right? And in the book, and they mentioned this, the whole performative thing of when someone goes missing and people, yeah. who, by the way, who, whose real life family members have gone missing have said like, you you don't know whether you can cry or should you, how yeah. you know. There's basically a bit where Nick the dumbass <laughs> is standing beside a huge cutout of Amy and in the film it's so funny. Yeah. And basically obviously like, it's a press conference. He gets up and says two words about her. <laughs> Couldn't be more like, my wife's missing. Please find her. Cheers. Like he, he almost is like, you know, like giving the finger bang and he, he stands beside this massive picture of Amy and of course then they're like, Nick, a picture with the thing yeah. and he smiles but he just this kind of weird like sort of dickhead smile, yeah. right? Yeah. David Fincher said he looked through a bunch of pictures of Ben Affleck on the internet and was like, he's got that smile. <laughs> and basically in the book it's described that Nick has a punchable face yeah. and Dave Fincher was like, he has that face. He has, he has that got, face. He has like the cleft in his sh- yes. chin. He looks so like Nick, he looks yeah. like he always described. I have, I watched Gone Girl obviously a few nights ago, 
the opening shot is Nick standing outside the house, their house, taking out the garbage. And he looks like every paparazzi yes. shot of Ben Affleck I have ever no. seen. The slum yeah. shot. <laughs> no, okay. It's almost Just, sad that the picture, this picture happened after Gonko. But you know when Ben Affleck is having yeah. a smoke outside the house and everyone uses it as when you're at a family event and you're like two minutes there and you're just having a fag. That is Nick in Gone Girl. Nick is- might as well be having a fag out the back just like smoking away and just being like, oh God. Yeah. Like he has, to, and he just, he really does encapsulate the character. But that's why he got that. <laughs> but anyway, okay, here's a little like, <laughs> I just have to say this um, fun fact, okay because we mentioned the clothing and costume. Um, <laughs> did you hear about the um, cap, baseball cap incident on set? Oh, I was really hoping yeah. you bring up the baseball so, cap. Ben is Affleck so is a diehard Red Sox fan. Now, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Does he like Red Sox or is it a, is it a team? It's a team. <laughs> I'm Grace. <laughs> I've never been on the internet before. <laughs> I just arrived on this planet today. <laughs> so he's a diehard Red Sox fan. Yeah. And basically in the film, there's a bit where he's in the airport and he's after meeting Tanner Bolt and he's coming back to the airport and there's a big press conference. And because he's just afraid of being seen, he puts on a baseball cap and he was meant to put on a Yankees cap in the film, right? A New York Yankees cap. <laughs> but as he's a diehard Red Sox fan, he refused to wear it. Before Affleck reached a compromise to wear a New York Mets cap, Instead, production had to shut down for four days. Imagine being a little bitch about something that you're like, four days. But has Ben Affleck never heard of the concept of acting? (laughs) You are acting as someone whose allegiance is to New York. Goodwill hunting is over. That was years ago. Not every film is going to be set in Boston. Here's what gets me so much. It's like he's he's so willing to act like a man who hits his wife. He, he doesn't mind acting like a man that could possibly murder his wife. But he's like, but I refuse. There's a line and the line is... A New York Yankees cap? Are you joking me? I think like a few years later, he starred and directed Argo, where he plays a Mexican man. The Mexican man would never wear a New York Yankees cap. He's like, all oh, culturally appropriate. <laughs> no problem. So, but, but it's just such a great story. It's I think, such like, it's a great because story. It, it's, it's so Ben Affleck, and it's yeah. so which we all Ben Affleck, who we all personally know. Yeah, so Ben. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, I, Amy's like Nick. Will you make the bed? He's like, that's women's work. <laughs> what I love is Amy watching it and being like, oh, he'll get he'll get all up in arms for this, but he won't fight for our marriage. Yeah, so. <laughs> Prior, but do you know who else is in the running for Affleck's role? I, I, I sure don't. I I'm sure don't. Really okay. excited. John Hamm. Oh yeah. Was under serious consideration, which I could kind of see John Hamm doing it, but he doesn't have the everyday punchable face of Ben Affleck. Um, but he was too busy with Mad Men and um, Brad Pitt, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, and even Seth. Oh my god. Seth Rogen. Oh my god. <laughs> Seth Rogen. I'm sorry. There is no way I can see Seth Rogen killing anyone other Absolutely than like just not. killing an absolute like. I know some weed. Like, I don't know what the, I don't know. I obviously don't smoke it. Killing some weed. 
now kids <laughs> said there, don't go killing any weed <laughs> thinking of future um um that is outrageous yeah, oh my god well the, the correct person was cast I think it is genuinely the role of Ben Affleck's career yeah he did sure. not have to act yeah. except <laughs> for that part where he put on that New York Mets cap um, imagine like, this is dark but imagine J-Lo went missing <laughs> Ben Affleck is just like I don't know to be honest she's out and about she's very busy she's very, like dancing <laughs> and now she's always dancing somewhere <laughs> Oh no, she must be on some stage. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> but sorry, uh, David Fincher uh, was the director of Gone, not always also Gone Girl, but uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. Uh, loves films with girls in it. Um, <laughs> Seven, Fight Club. So yeah. the the look of the film is very dark, which I I think actually perfect. And you know what? It's weird. I, sorry, d- before you go on, um, Amy goes when she when she disappears she goes to the Ozarks yeah. there's something about the pa- colour palette of the film that actually does quite suit the colour palette of Ozark the TV series which I don't know if you like if you've ever seen it no. but it has this kind of dark it's very dark yeah yeah. which I thought the film did as well that's interesting because when I think of Gone Girl I really think of this very cool wash mm. that's over everything and maybe I'm like misremembering it it's, no it, it's also dark yeah, also. yeah and when she goes to so I feel like they're home Kind of around Missouri. There's almost this kind of a, like it's been drained of colour. Yeah. Or something about yeah. that town, uh, which like, they don't have a ton of time, right, to, to speak yeah. to the economic history of the town, but does really give you the sense of there is nothing here. Yeah. There is no life here. Yeah. There is nothing that could grow here or live or, you know, continue to prosper yeah. here. It just feels so drained of everything. And it has this really kind of cool, cool colour palette that we associate a lot with Amy and as well because I think it's just this kind of like very sterile uh, prosthetic yeah. almost you know there's yeah. something like very plasticky about Amy uh, because it's all uh, been created right yeah. it's all like you know it's all fake in a way yeah. and it's just this kind of cool untouchable sterile environment of the town and that she also brings a little yeah. bit to their marriage right Yeah. and then she goes to the Ozarks and it gets a bit of that kind of that kind of greenery and dark wood yeah. introduced there, uh, and it kind of feels a bit out of control. Yeah. And I think she's that's when yeah. she's out of control. She is, she, she doesn't have control yeah. over. Yeah, you know, she's meeting people that she does not know how to interact. Yeah, with. oh, she's like, so she, bad at interacting yeah. with normal people. <laughs> Norlands. <laughs> New Orleans and it's the most hammy accent it sounds like me trying to do New Orleans <laughs> that was actually very good yeah, thank you very much um, I could she's stop. got her new she's got her new character for her bit yay um, but I find it one thing I think that's uh, do you know we haven't even talked about this but I found that um, in the books the difference between the detectives and the books and the film were very interesting yeah. to me as well so one thing we never touched on right not only is there a class thing in the book um and like, as well as like, you know, men and women and the whole like dynamics. There's also thing about beauty that is very interesting. Yeah. In the book, the detective, the main detective, Rhonda Boney, is described as a very ugly woman. I was she was so surprised by that. Yeah, because yeah. I, I forget her name, the actress who plays Rhonda but who I actually love that actress. So yeah. I can't remember her name, but she's so beautiful. Yeah. So here's the <laughs> Obviously interesting they're thing. They're like, we could never. <laughs> notes I was like well they didn't pick an ugly person for this role <laughs> and what's interesting is like they kind of try and doubt you know like the way they do in Hollywood where like, you're not hot by just like I don't know putting glasses on them or like having her hair not great and then they're like no, her hair is just brown her hair is like, brown <laughs> they're like boo but 
what's interesting is she's the only one who sort of sees through Amy's yeah I love whole that. life yeah. throughout the entire thing this detective she has another detective called Gilpin uh, his second name I don't know the first name In he's just a bit of a rube throughout the whole thing he sort of just believes everything yeah he believes Nick did it. He believes every clue. While Rhonda's like, this is a bit weird that this all fits together. These clues are weird. Yeah. This is weird that like, this is all showing up. I don't believe that like, every single thing should point to this man doing it when it's like, this is all too convenient. Yeah. She is constantly actually on Nick's side a bit. And not like too much, but she's just a bit like, reasonable She doesn't doubt. like Nick no. or anything. But she's just like, this isn't adding up. This is reasonable doubt. And it's because this whole thing is actually brought up that she's a bit like that because she is ugly. Like as in like, yeah. the whole, there's a thing in the book where like Amy at the end when she comes <laughs> back is like, in the book, she's like, this woman keeps questioning me about it and she's like, I never trusted ugly women. They didn't like me. She says something around <laughs> yeah. those lines and that's interesting to me because yeah. I do think there's a thing about that. Yeah, absolutely. Where she's not buying this just because this woman's a good looking woman yeah. and looks a bit fragile. She's yeah. like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not and I don't think it's because she's but it's this dynamic that in the film isn't explored it's actually never brought up why she kind of yeah I think that in the film like I do have in my notes like all cops are bastards but I love a capable detective <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I love her character in the movie. They kind of, I think they make her a lot more prominent in the movie. Yeah. So great. I really yeah. love every scene with her. Yeah. I love the scene where they come to the house and kind of reveal that he is a suspect. Yeah. And they kind of ex- like explain, yeah. look, this was this was clearly staged. You yeah. can't flip. They do a scene where they're like, this uh, struggle in your house is clearly staged. This ottoman doesn't flip that yeah. easily. Uh, and it's just, they do have this really good rapport, actually. Yeah. Boney and Gilpin. Yeah. Uh, where they're kind of like, back and forth off each yeah, other and she's yeah. like what do you what do you guys uh, fight about you and your wife and he's like you know money uh, uh, yeah, you know, like, yeah, uh, this yeah. kind of back and forth and it ends with Nick just like smashing a glass Yeah, and I just think it's really really good I, I, there's a bit as well in the book where it's this insinuation of like oh these kind of like dumb cops from Missouri yeah. they don't see a lot of this kind of stuff they're not going to be good at it and this just kind of sidestep of like yeah, no we're not dumb cops yeah, you know like we yeah, are yeah, like yeah. we know what's going on here we're able to um, There's a really good bit where they are interrogating him for the first time. I know exactly and they, what you're and they go And they go, listen, just some run-of-the-mill questions. She goes, what's your wife's blood type? Right? And immediately I wrote down, should I? Should anyone know their partner's blood type? Like, no. <laughs> he goes, I don't know. Like, you don't know your wife's blood type? You don't know what she does during the day? Like, do you know this woman at all? And then he leaves and Gilpin goes, I should I know my wife's blood type? She's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I'm like, so it's so great. funny. Yeah, it's and such a funny, yeah. But that's what I love as well. And that's why, you know, it's things like that for me that, we've kind of been talking about like why you want to do this podcast I love little bits like that and yeah. adaptation that show you who a character is in a way that would have taken pages, pages of and pages. to see yeah. Yeah. and I think that for me really for Rhonda Rhonda Boney yeah Excellent name. Excellent name. What a yeah. what a she's just a woman full of edges, isn't she? Yeah. Like that's what you get she's from that. Divorced name. She's divorced as well. Hard. Yeah, she's, she mentioned it in the card. Yeah, yeah, she's edges. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. not a she's not an approachable person. Um that little exchange of should I know my wife's type? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um tells me everything I need to know yeah, about her. Yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. that she is like She's capable. She's she capable. Also, she's messing with this guy because she needs to find out. You one hundred percent. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one, but I do think the ugliness thing was a thing I picked up on because obviously she's a very beautiful woman, mm. this actress, and I think that like Hollywood never lets. And not, not that, like, and listen, I, I swear with they even. <laughs> find <an ugly> woman. <laughs> in a, in like, LA. Listen, we're gonna put prosthetics on Margot Robbie for this role. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're gonna smudge some dirt on her face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was just a, it was an interesting kind of like um, a bit for me with the detectives. And I thought they were so well cast. One other thing I noticed with the entries of the diary, okay, um, because we get to see, obviously, 
Amy writing them. Yeah, the pens, the pens, and the whole scene where we in the in the in the film where we switch to her perspective, we realize yeah. that she's alive, and it's her driving. Yes, wind in her hair, driving down away, eating a burger while she's driving. No, 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 you, eating, eating Kit Kat. Just kick, taking that break. <laughs> Taking the ultimate break. Looking at the calendar that says kill self, question mark, <laughs> which is such a great detail. Yeah. And um, she starts throwing all of the girly pens yeah. that she has been using to write these diaries. There's a fluffy flamingo one. Well, here's and- here's how it goes. I'm going to tell you right now because I wrote down the pens. This is such a nerdy thing. First diary entry is when she first meets Nick. And by the way, there's cunnilingus. I know that because I wrote down cunnilingus, question mark. <laughs> On the first date? <laughs> On the first date, looking girl. No wonder she wanted to marry this man and then frame him for murder. Um, and it's a big pink pen, but almost like a childish childish pink pen. Yeah, it's fluffy. And- yeah, it's fluffy and it's like, it's rarely actually Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> from Legally oh god. Blonde. It is. We're going to have to put a disclaimer. A disclaimer. Reese, don't <laughs> listen to it. You're not ready. Um, <laughs> the bit where she gets proposed to is in the next diary entry at a book launch. Right. Um, she has a white bridal pen with a man and woman on top of it. But do you know where that is from? What? That white bridal pen is from the amazing Amy book launch. They were handing out those pens. Because in the, the book, ama- she gets married. In the Amazing Amy, there is a whole scene in the in the movie. This is where Nick proposes at a book launch where the character of Amazing yeah. Amy gets married before yeah. real life Amy because her parents really want to thumb screw that yeah. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the pet that they're handing out like promotional tasks and one of the things that she, they hand out is a pen with a bride and groom I did and a not little ribbon no, no I only that. caught it on this on this watch and I just her like throwing it out the window then as she's driving away god you're so smart so cathartic um, but every pen <laughs> or pencil kind of matches the um, entry which is just a really interesting sort of like you know um, part of it anyway listen um, <laughs> uh, there was a few other things we can't really get into all of it unfortunately we're going to have to wrap it up but there's a, one or two bits that I found really interesting. When Amy, and this was a bit that Desi does, when Amy kind of comes under, which is paid by um, Neil Patrick Harris, which I think he's perfect for this Once as well. again, this is another area where I think the casting this is perfect because yeah. he makes my skin crawl. He makes my this, skin crawl. Literally, I prefer Nick to him. Oh, for <laughs> sure. But there's a bit where he says... Um, straight away he's like I'm not letting you get away again and he goes the sooner you look like yourself the sooner you'll feel like yourself yeah. and he takes out hair dye tweezers and he like takes away her dessert all this oh, yeah. he gets really controlling oh, yeah. of food that whole scene where he takes away the dessert and she's such a grip on it <laughs> rests it from her hand the next scene where she's in she's like very svelte and she has the chicest hairstyle and I was like she must did, have cut this herself did you put this bob yourself <laughs> is there nothing you can't do because <laughs> it is perfectly layered and feathered at the back that is not an easy yeah, thing to no. and you're telling me you did this with a nail scissors Amy yeah and I just want to say either Desi did it or she did it <laughs> Desi probably did. Desi probably did. I suppose we will have to wrap it yeah. up there. We probably. Covered I think the everything. one thing then about thinking of this, yeah, the move from book to movie, right? With this, and it's not surprising since Gillian Flynn was the screenwriter. Yeah, it's one of those adaptations for me that's very seen to see, like seen to see. Yes, it is. 100% exactly the story of the yeah, book. Yeah. Where, which is, you know, sometimes yeah. that just really works. Sometimes that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time it's it's too much or you're not going to fit things in in the same way. And uh, in this case, I think that really, really works for. Yeah. This. It doesn't feel like a book. No. It feels like its own film. And I think that's, yeah, because the book felt like a film. 
But yeah, it's in those other areas where I think they really let those little flourishes in yeah. that kind of made up for the fact that you were watching this on a big screen. And yeah. But the tagline for Gone Girl, now we like to just come up with some um, alternative taglines um, for <laughs> this. Oh yeah, first of all, straight away before I even go there. Book or film, which one's better? Oh God. I don't know if I pick one that is better. I think I'm going to go film. I actually think I'm going to go film as well. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go film. Yeah. Um, because when I read the book, Ben Affleck was Nick yeah, in my mind, 100%. and Rosamund Pike was Amy. I couldn't yeah. picture anyone else. Okay, so the, the tagline for Gone Girl that I could find, by the way, I don't know if this is a visual one, it's the only one that came up, is you don't know what you've got until it's dot, dot, dot. <laughs> gone, girl. <laughs> so my alternative Gone Girl line is, um, Gone Girl, she wasn't gone long enough. <laughs> I think that's perfect. I won't even do one because I think that that's perfect. And also, I didn't think. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jump. If you, you can listen to us anywhere on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Grinder. We don't know where you find us, but listen to us anywhere you find your podcast. Um, you can also, if you want to get in touch and recommend other books and films we should look at, please can contact us on Instagram, uh, The Jump Pod on Instagram or TikTok, as well as please just recommend us, rate us, review us. It really helps the podcast get found by other people and helps us keep making great content. Tell all your friends. Bye.